יש. היי מילינקה. היי. שלום. סוזן את זה ביחד, together, מצבתא. Are we talking English or English? Oh, I forgot. That's right. We have to speak English. Oh, I see. I see the four of you. I see. Five. So we are back here like every week. And again, we are meeting today somebody who will open our eyes to some questions and some things that we would like to widen our horizon. My English is getting better. So anyway, so today we have Milia Vital. Would you please introduce her? An artist. More than that. She's an actress. An actress. An actress. A writer. A writer. Director. Director. And so on and so on. Little talented, huge talented and little body, Mili. Horizon. Mili, you're living in the end of the world. There's only horizon there. Yeah, this is a good question to start with. How come, because I went to visit your area. It's really far in upstate New York and remote. I mean, it's like there are not many homes over there. No. Why did you run so far? <laughs> we we have been quarantined, as people now know the term, but we really have been doing it for, this is our sixth year. And I think there was a moment when I took my daughter in the, I lived in, in the West Village in, in the city. And I've lived there for 20 something years from, I went from Israel straight there and I stayed. And there was a moment where I took my daughter, my son to school at eight o'clock in the morning and my daughter, my three-year-old daughter to a, like a little preschool. And there was a jackhammer like in the, the street. And I, I, I just stood there and I thought, that's it. I'm done. Done. I can't. I'm done. I can't, uh, I can't take it anymore. And, and, and that was it. It's almost like I couldn't. I, I felt like I can't hear myself. I can only hear the outside world. And, and that's what happened. And so we, we really took a risk because there was nothing to hear. I also didn't know anything about the area. I didn't know where the grocery store was, where the, I don't know, pharmacy, nothing. So I took, we took the summer to sort of learn the place and, and then never looked back. So this is a deja vu for you because when you came to the States with dreams, right? Mm -hmm. Big dreams, you'll tell us about it. And again, you had to learn everything for, not everything, but a lot. You had to learn from the beginning almost, mm -hmm. right? Being an Israeli from the center of Tel Aviv, right? Very true. From the suburbs, but yes, I saw myself from the center, but really I was from the suburbs. So what, what did, but, how did you, how did, what did took from you? How did you adjust to, and to what you had to adjust? The, the, in general, I think you're right about the fact that, that you connected the two, because in general, I really believe in change. I believe that it's important. I mean, I get bored with the same thing for a long time. And I almost believe like it's, it's essential for my brain. Like I have to learn something new all the time. And so it's a survival instinct. And what happened, the, the reason I moved to New York was that I worked a lot. So that's how I met Silly because she uh, works at the Camry Theater and, and I, I was there. And so I was 17 when I started working. And by the age of almost 20, I, I, I did so much that I felt I need to do something that is challenging. And I, my, my 
motto in life is to follow my fear. I, I find out what it is that I'm afraid of the most. And I realize that's exactly what I have to do. So I was really afraid to lose the status that I got so quickly. I won the Israeli Academy Award and I was 19 and I was offered everything. Everything was very easy. And I, I realized what would be the scariest thing? I thought, well, to, to let it go, right? Because that's what I wanted to do. So I let it go. And I started, I thought, I need to learn everything from scratch and to learn English, to learn Shakespeare, to learn a culture. So I sort of immersed myself. And I, I didn't think I would stay here because I actually went to an acting school. And then a year later, I started working. But I that was not the plan. But the plan was to take a challenge. So it's the same thing when I moved here. I thought, I don't care about nature, never did. Never, never did. I just, I thought it was the most boring thing in the world. I always thought that being in the center of the world is the most important thing. And I thought, I know nothing about nature. I know nothing about living disconnected. So I have to figure it out. I have to say that uh, Mili uh, is a combination of guts and uh, uh, she likes to experiment and she's very focused and she has a great support system from home. And That's I true. think that the, the, the base of where you come from allows you to fly as far as exactly. you can and you feel conquered and you feel safe and they you do it very well yeah. so exactly exactly you right. when you came here i mean uh you know we we are israelis we don't have subtext right. i think so not in our behavior not in the way what you see is that's it that's what what there is and then you come here and how do you read different codes Difference in all subtext, um, even you know facial expression, uh, if, but codes of body language. If you can a little, a little bit elaborate, because later we will get into you as an actress using it. Yeah. But let's start. Yeah. Just how do you read it when you encounter it the first time or the first years? Yes, that, that's that's the best question of all time because that's exactly what I spend my time doing which which is really observing other people and there's nothing that i love more than trying to figure out subtext anyway because that's sort of the the fun thing in life when someone says to you you know go over there but really they mean come over here so so i love trying to figure out what's behind the language and acting is exactly the place where you live behind the language so it's, it's an interesting question and I think it's a complex question because when I, there was a moment when I learned English, when I thought, when I worked on my accent and, and adjusting to a new culture and I thought, oh, this is so great because acting is not about language at all. It's about what's behind the language. But then I actually changed my mind. I think acting is all about the language because the language is what carries the subtext. So if you're not- But language not is not only words. That's language absolutely true. All layers of uh, behavior and exactly. of a whole culture. So the, the the words are only the what out the outcome of the whole uh, exactly. Which is why which is why I still really I am studying the culture. The the, the there's there's so many layers to uh, uh, adjusting to a new culture. There's there's the the accent there's vo vocabulary like i had when i my first couple, couple of years in the states i wrote to myself only in english like to-do list laundry 
whatever. I wrote it in English because I thought, well, I have to create a relationship with these words. If I'm just going to say, kvisa, kvisa, and then when I'm an acting, I have laundry, it's not going to have any meaning. I have to put an emotional experience with it. So I did that. But then the other thing is to learn the history because you realize that when you, uh, many times I say things that to this day, that luckily I lived with a writer who knows language very well. And I check with him and I say, does that mean, what is that? What's the history of this word? Where did it come from? And there's something in, I have a, um, a, a daily, um, you know, a daily email from Webster dictionary for, since I, wow, you know, so I, so I learned awesome. a, a word and also from the Oxford dictionary, which have very strange words that Webster is sort of better in that way, but the, at least for me, but what I like is that I always look at the word and then I, I scroll down how you use it. And then I scroll down to where it comes from, the etymology of it. And once you realize where a word comes from, you, 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 you realize the whole world. So- You know, it's really, it's funny. Uh, there's, there's a big reason why you call a translation of a play or a script adaptation. That's absolutely you have right. To adapt the locals. And even if you move the play from culture to culture, country to country, you have to, to give it to the locals so you have to adapt it and it really takes time to understand where you are not to schlep to bring everything where you come from and try to use it just to listen and wait and see where mm -hmm. you are and it you know i have an almost parallel uh, process like you and i i use seinfeld and david mamet to help myself to settle because I was listening and listening and listening. In the beginning, most of it just passed my ear, especially in David Mamet's plays or stories because he's very, very, very detailed about New York. And slowly, slowly over the years, say, oh, there's another one. Oh, there's this one. And he takes, and I'm sure that even by now, I don't know all of it because there is so, so much depth into what they do, but you, you feel more familiar or more comfortable, but you still don't know even that you missed it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But it's really fascinating because usually, you know, when you listen to, I don't know, Perlman playing the violin, mm -hmm. it's clear that he is leading a dialogue with the notes, with the music, with the phrases. I mean, it's really, you can see in his, body language, facial, his fingers, the way they touch the violin, that there is a dialogue. You are the first one who actually I hear, maybe, I, and I know I missed, now I have a lot of, you know, to think about, the dialogue that we have with words. It's, it's amazing. It's although, although, you know, I, I, I still feel, I mean, I guess everybody feels a little bit like an alien anyway, in the world, in life. But I, I did say to my husband the other day, I said, you know, Sometimes I look at Israeli comedy and some in an American comedy and I, I compare them and I realize I, I think I can't fit in anything because I comedy is about stereotypes and I'm not really a stereotype of anything from Israel and I'm not really a stereotype of anything from the the, the States and 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 it's it's a very strange living where and also my so in terms of language because I constantly want to improve myself. I, I, I do, I do um, uh, a crossword puzzles. And I think I told you that the wow. other day I was doing the New York Times one. And then I decided once I got it, I got good at it. I thought, oh, well, now I'm going to do the one in Hebrew. It's going to be so easy. And then it was really hard for That's me. It's not not that I, yeah. And, and I realized that 
I am, maybe I'm, I lost a little bit. I had a hundred percent of something. Maybe I lost 5%. I don't know. And it's very frustrating. So I, I do feel that language is extremely important. And at the same time, I, I don't, I will never have a grasp of a hundred percent of either side. It's that where, do you have, where do you have the black holes of these uh, um, differences with your kids? Uh, that's a great, great question because um, I, I realize that things, it's just like a song, right? If I play Arik Einstein or whatever, you know, some song from Israel. Famous Israeli singer. Famous yes. Israeli singer. And I feel that that is, I mean, what is there to say? It's so perfect. It will affect them even if they don't understand the words. And they, even if they do, and they, they do, so at least my son uh, understands. And it's so irrelevant to them, just like I am kind of irrelevant to them. It's not really they have no emotional connection to it whatsoever. So I realized that the, the only way I can converse real conversations with them, uh, emotional conversations are in, in English. And but it's even weird. I insisted of talking in Hebrew. So mm -hmm. actually with my, my son, once we came here for six months and six months, we go back and forth. But I want, so but what happened to your identity? Being like what you call an airline. Where is your identity? How do you handle the identity issue? I don't know. I, I, I think about it every single day. I think about, you know, uh, people who come from other countries, you know, and, and, and start again. It's like Holocaust survivors, you know, who have a deep rooted identity, but then they completely did a very, you know, sharp cut from their past and immersed myself themselves in a new, in a new culture. And I often think about, you know, whether or not, even though they wanted to embrace, and I only take them because that's an extreme example of somebody who did not want their past. I actually do because it's I'm both. But let's even say someone who wants to, nothing to do with their past, don't even want to remember it. I don't know that they still feel American, 100%. I don't know what it means. And I and I think, you know, the 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 real world I feel I belong to are the world is the world of artists. And that's the only world where I feel, oh, I'm not an alien there. I can recognize love. you guys from what? In love. Yes, and I love. I think it's the same everywhere, I think. Yes, exactly, exactly. And then that's how we all connect. And that's the but reason. You know, I see, I find that the older generation of the Jewish people who came to America, much older, like from the Second World War and before, they're so thankful to America and they wanted to be part of the American nation very fast and they take it very they're very proud to be an american mm -hmm. so and i think that like every old person the older you get you go back to your childhood so then maybe they get detached a little bit or they want to go back to to their own roots but you know it's very interesting because my boys grew up here and um, every time when when we mark the israeli holocaust day to us it's so obvious because we grow up we grew up in an environment that uh, talked about it all the time, showed uh, films all the time, spoke to people all the time. The whole country was uh, united in the same day in a very, very meaningful way. In New York, when it's all over, it doesn't matter how many Jews are in the city, it's very different to relate. It's very tough to relate. Mm -hmm. I always put a, a candle, like a Memorial candle, and they know. They said to each other, mm, "It's probably either the Holocaust Day or the Memorial Day for the for the soldiers." 
But then I was looking for ways to bring them to experience something, some connection to this. And I found there's a, a synagogue in the city that they just bring, they, of course, they pray for the six million, but they bring relatives or survivors who just come up to the stage and say their name. And they said, my father, my mother, my aunt, my uncle, my brother. And I looked at them and I said, when somebody said my mother got killed or my brother, they have a mom, they have a, they, you know, they have a family, so they, they have a father, to. they can relate to. And they used to get glued to the bench, you know, and till everybody, and then they always um, um, showed some film or did something. So this was the only way I was able really to bring them because you cannot feel it unless you really can relate to. And exactly. then, so it's very hard to be part of someplace else unless you can relate to somehow or on at some level. You know, I just want to tell you, you're intimidating me with your English. <laughs> you know, I went to school here. I did my PhD when I was like, I don't know, 22 or something. And then I went back, of course. And I teach in English and listen, it's like a... But I worked on it. It was not, if you, if it was important to you, you would have, you would have done it. For me, it was very important. It was, I realized at, at some point that it was the difference between, I mean, when, when, uh, it's gonna say, I'm gonna sound very old, which maybe I am, but in the early nineties, when I started the, the supporting roles were not even for, not even foreigners, they were only Hispanic only. There was not like an Arab. There was no Arab. There was no Israeli. There was no French. There was nothing. There was either a Hispanic person uh, or American. And I remember the 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 line from my agents uh, agents. Uh, the, the consul said, "Well, uh, Americans are not used to that. You know, they're they're not their ears it's are very not gentle. Ears, very yeah. gentle ear. Right. Yeah. And so I didn't have in a way lazy ear. Yeah. Lazy, lazy ear. ear. And I if I had to yes." of course changed and how great it is and they don't like to see foreign films with subtitles exactly and also they don't like to make an effort to, to it's nice that each one is a bit different and, and has its own colors because uh, for Tsipi, this is one of her colors and i think she talks the english hebrew to all her students and they like and they fall love it way. yes so it's like it's okay yeah I believe, I know. they think i'm very funny by the way they think i'm french <laughs> that's the best and then i say that i am like scarlett o'hara i'm from the south and then they laugh and they know that i'm not french however uh, i think that i read or something that you're going to because you mentioned the holocaust uh, you're going to play a character holocaust in a, survivor, in a film yeah yes it's in the works which means you know in our industry it's in the works and until i'm on the set i will not know that it's right. actually in the works um, but it is. By the way, I have to tell you that uh, Marlon Brando uh, waited until nine o'clock in the morning in some productions until the bank will be open. And then if the check came in for the day, then exactly. he went to the set. Exactly. If it was not in the bank, he didn't come to the set. Exactly. Not always, but this is the legend about him, about, I don't know. Uh, so it, you're it, not it, just waiting for the yeah. first day of shoot. Exactly. And, and rightfully so, because, but, you know, it's, it's a tough question always this, this, um, this thing of whether you invest in something, if, you know, how, how do you know what to invest in? Because if you don't invest in it, it's not going to happen for sure. So, um, but, but this is, this will happen and, and I, I'm, I'm confident, but 
Um, but yes, it's a really interesting journey um, to learn. Not this is not the first time I'm learning about it. I actually did a uh, series called uh, uh, Uprising, which was I think on NBC or maybe ABC. I think it was NBC, and um, it was a mini series years ago where I played one of the characters, uh, real people, uh, who were part of the uprising in Warsaw Ghetto. And there were two female leads in this series, and I did not get either one of them. And I was furious. And I said to the director, but I don't understand. I mean, you, this, this woman is tough. She's a leader. She's, you know, she's getting everybody, you know, through the, it was through the, um, actually, uh, uh, you know, under underground pipes to, to escape the ghetto and, and I'm Jewish and I'm Israeli. And he said, you don't look tough. It was heartbreaking. Oh my God. So I had to accept, I had to accept the role of the romantic role of the girlfriend of somebody. Anyway, so long story, but I insisted on doing it because it was important to me. I really wanted to know to experience. So, so let's start if I can go a step because before I come to this role. So when you, how do you decide which role to take? So when you read the, read the script, do you first go by your emotions, how you react to the script, or you read it like kind of trying to understand rationally what it's about, or how do you approach a first reading that makes you decide to take a script or not, to take the role? Well, I, it, it's true that when I read when I read a script that I am in, um, part of as an actress or, or interested in being part of, I do look at it from the point of view of the character. So I'm in the character that you know I am up for. And, the, and the, there are two, two parts to it. Number one is that I am really a sucker for good writing. So if something is well written, I don't care what the role is, or I don't care, I'll pay to be in the movie. I'm just so happy that there's a good piece of writing and comes to you know that's like the joy of of being part of a great story so that's the most important part so if the character is really well written but the but this writing is not great then i can't convince myself to do it the other thing is that i do look for the internal conflict of the character so if a character just if it's clear for me what she wants and she just gets it, it's not interesting. If I find the conflict internally to be interesting, not just the problem she has outside of her, let's say she wants to marry this guy, but you know, that's one, but, but he is, you know, lives on another planet. So that's a problem she has to figure out. But if internally she has a conflict, which is what she's not sure she wants to do it because then she's gonna have to give up her job, then, you know, it just starts, you know, I feel like the war inside and then I can, that, that makes me, want to do it. But I do think that I had one an acting, an acting teacher who said, uh, you know, to be a good actor, you have to know literature, you have to read. Mm -hmm. And I do I have I read I think without reading, you can't tell. Yes, what's good. yes I agree. So uh, we come we'll come back to the, the film you're going to do soon. But um, so what extent you have to experience in life? Something that is similar or parallel to the role you're going to play and if not, where do you go to dig it from you, from yourself, or your bank of emotions, whatever? Um, well, I, I, I think, I mean, really, I don't know if that there's a really clear technique to anything. Uh, since I don't have a clear 
path, but I do know how I personally respond to things. So I have to, if I, if I don't go to myself first, but I actually go to the world and I, I research and I bring images and I read books around it and I, my, imagina my imagination starts working. So I'm imagining, oh, I am in 1930 in Poland and I do have see the horses and I do see, if I, if my imagination is working that much, then my own inside is just going to follow and open up. So it's almost like, it's like a mask. You need the masks in order to tell the truth. So you need the imaginary world in order to live your truth. That's sort of. But I believe that almost everybody can find everything in themselves that just not gutsy enough to explain to expose it yes they want exactly. to admit to themselves that they they they're aware or they know it's there they like to hide it and maybe bring something else but everybody has the whole range yeah because, yeah because you know if you take um fear or sense of losing so if you are not in this situation you are afraid of losing somebody who is dear to you right exactly and but you have mainly on the on the not nice parts like being mean or being uh, aggressive or we being, all have it yes and people no, prefer to that's really to very scary i i find it very very scary i mean acting to me is very scary which is why i have to follow my fear and do it <laughs> but i do try to avoid it as much as i can and then if i have something that's really really good and i can't say no to i usually do it and i'm not just saying it it's true it is really scary to me and so I, so I, I am attracted to it because of that, but it's very scary to be vulnerable and, and, uh, you know, feel the, the feelings that you're trying not to feel on a, on, uh, in your daily life. And at the same time, it's the only place that you can feel it and explore it and do something with it because it's the safe, it's the safe place. Art is in general, you know, it's your favorite playwright. My favorite playwright would definitely Shakespeare. That's why I came to the States. That was my dream was to be able to understand Shakespeare. And when I understood the vocabulary and when I started understanding what, what iambic pentameter is, which is the rhythm, and I started understanding it like poetry, then I realized that there is, like you said before, Tzili, there's no such thing as translation. Right. It's just, it's a joke. It's like, and by the way, I, I, I tell the kids that the reason why they should know Hebrew, it's the yeah. same thing with the Bible. The Bible is so beautiful. It's so beautiful that there is no way you can translate, uh, you know, uh, in, in Bereshit bara Elohim. Uh, and also, by the way, the translation has to do with culture because when the American translate something, they take all this thing out of the of the story and they they make it politically correct and they just kill it. So then you, you you really lose this the this, the essence of everything. And from an American point, what do you mean, mine? When I was uh, young. Well, now I'm young too, but when I was 16, I had a bag of tricks, which I will get to you with a bag of tricks as an actress. Uh, but I had a bag of tricks whenever I met a boy. I had one sonnet by Shakespeare, which I could <laughs> recite, which I always recited. And then I have a poem by Rilke. Uh, yeah. You know, so that was the two things that I had in my pocket, which I pulled out to show. But that's presentation. Who no, I will, like that's it. I, I chose two things that really affected me, okay. I must admit. So I, I always prefer Chekhov. Chekhov, no, Chekhov I came later, much later. But you can't, but here's the thing. I love Chekhov too, but 
I saw once a production in Israel of Russians yeah. when it was, you know, with all the big Russian actors. Yeah. And then I realized that whatever I knew about Chekhov, I did not understand at all. Absolutely. Because it's a culture. And, and it's, uh, you know, the only person that I think really did it well. But even with him, you feel the... Uh, but he it, it's you no know, he did it so well it's like it's it's like i want to cry is nabokov and nabukov and i read his autobiography and i read and he which he wrote in english and he wrote it so well in english and and it's such an incredible use of language and then he also wrote of course i mean he's russian and he spoke french so french spoke french uh russian and english and he taught in colombia by the way as well, but it was that was the only human being that I thought could that 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 tra that was able to not translate but to create a new language. It's called mm -hmm. silly. There was a production of I think his name is Nelson. He had three trilogy about Rhinebeck. It's yeah. a place upstate New York. Yeah, I know Rhinebeck. I love so it. Took two families, the Gabriels, and I forgot the name, and they met every year just before the election. So it's, it, you know, it is about the family and everything, but the context was the, 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 the elections, American elections. But then he did in a very remote place, Chekhov. And he did it with the same group of people and the same um, approach, which mm -hmm. is a empty stage and they all come in for a meal. So they carry the chair, they carry the pots, they carry the, the milk, everything, and they start to and they were dressed in like, and I never saw so accessible, pure, wow. clean, a, a Chekhov. It was he figured out the DNA mm -hmm. and he just followed the DNA and they did it in English. They were Americans, but they really followed the DNA and it was pure pleasure. And I think he would be yeah. very happy to see it. But I want to go back and I asked you, do you have a bag of tricks? Let's say for crying. If you need to cry, is it a bag of tricks or is it, is it a technique or um, being so engaged at the moment or being at the moment? Or... I think it's being so engaged. I mean, the trick for me, the bag of tricks is I know now what I have to wake up in myself to be that open. And so whether it's to be relaxed, whether it's a certain image or something that makes me want to go there, but I, for me personally, unless I am in the world and I, you know, I convince myself I'm in it, then, then I can't act. You know, I have to, I believe, I believe everything. When as soon as I, when I'm, you know, acting, I, I really truly believe that that is the real reality. That's, you have to bring yourself to believe it. So that's why you have to know everything and you have to, give things meaning so this is not just a cup but, but it a is a reality once you go on stage you create a reality of a different exactly. world and you invite everybody to to take a look at your yeah, reality exactly. for that time and yeah. it's just the the moving in and out in and out that's what created differences but the stage is a reality it's a whole world exactly so and i know I, your husband is a screenwriter who got the oscar his name is a charles Randolph. That's it. So I guess then he writes, I guess he's supposed to be at the moment, every minute, every second, in order to create it. I mean, when you when you see him writing or you talk or you are dealing with, you know, even in real life, do you feel that he's really engaged all the time in what he writes? 
it, you know, it, it comes in stages. He has, first of all, the period where he does his research, like, you know, like I do, like I'm sure everybody who have to, has to enter a world. So he researches on Google and at night and whatever, he's always like on his computer. And then when he writes, he's really funny because he does this. He's like, this is like, oh, he is in the moment. <laughs> he lives it. And he's, and he doesn't know he's doing it. So he probably shouldn't see this interview. Right. But, uh, listen. What's that? You said he listens. Listening. He, he, he listens to, to his dialogue. Yes, Delivered. he does. And he's, uh, you know, I can tell he's, you know, he's, he's in, he's in it, but then um, he also, I mean, he also works, it, it depends on the stage again, then there's a stage where he edits what he just wrote. And I know yeah. that he edits because he's more quiet, but sometimes he's in the, in the dialogue. He definitely, he doesn't you know, that it's not connected really, but Spielberg always say that the most difficult thing for an actor is to listen. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And to, to help, I mean, to uh, make sure that the audience can listen to the thoughts of the character, right? <laughs> listen to the thought of the character coming from outside in, but then you as an actress, ability to listen, it's very difficult, actually. Well, all these actors are talking about good partners. These are the partners that listen to you and you can really talk to them. Um, but that's good for life, too, right? Yeah, great. Yeah. Very hard some to people listen, some people don't. So what do you look at in the rectal? What do I look at? You know, I, I worked with good ones and bad ones. And the bad ones uh, have no uh, emotional connection to you or they're not even in tune with wow. sort of the place. It's, 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 that's very hard, it's very sad. And I had one director, uh, Robert Benson, who he did The Human Stain and he, um, I had a much bigger part in that film, but it was cut out for reasons that I know had nothing to do with me, but it was still painful. But, but uh, so I had like one scene there, but th Robert Benson did uh, Kramer versus Kramer and he's a huge, you know, yes. um, wonderful director with a lot of experience. And he did something that was just the best. He just sat on the corner. He was sitting on the set with us, not behind the camera. He was on the set. He just did this. <laughs> that's the only i didn't get any and i and i'm uh, really good friends i said uh, uh good friends with the lead actress in it the younger lead actress it was nicole kidman but she played nicole kidman as a young woman jacinda barrett and uh and jacinda is still in touch with robert ben, uh, benton but she she said that um you know i said was it just me like because i don't know my part was that way and she said no that's what he did with me too it's just uh-huh yeah and the same thing with jim jarmusch when um, I asked him, I said, well, you know, I thought about my character and, blah, 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 and what, what do you think? And he said, I don't know. What do you think? <laughs> so it really gives you, I feel like you have to look at the black of the eye of the actor in order to really be in tune. But yes, exactly. This is really something, it's almost the same, but it's, a, I, anyway, I have to think about it. But really. I think, yeah, you okay, are. look, the directors, no matter what they do, they're in your hands. It's here, it's here on my computer. Oh, sorry. Uh, they are all looking. <laughs> it's jumping all the time. You know, the, basically the directors are in the hand of the, of the actors and they choose the actors that they can trust them, you know, for the, for the road. Uh, if it's not the right one, they, they change it. 
And once they have their own kind, their own family that they like to adopt, they let them play. Exactly. If they like the role that they take, it's okay. You save them basically. Uh, exactly. I think each one has, some directors are better with working with actors. Some directors are not so much. They're good for the scene more than to the, to the actors. And yes, <laughs> and it's, a, it's, a, it's fascinating to see the outcome. And sometimes it doesn't come out well, and sometimes it doesn't cross the stage, sometimes it doesn't get to the audience, uh, and sometimes it's just like electric company, you know, you go on stage and fuck, there's a big strong light and you're like, ah, this is the best, you know, it's, yeah. this is the magic, this is the magic. It's a magic, and it's, a, it's a miracle when it happens. Because it's so rare to have all those elements that mm -hmm. create that electricity. The worst director I had was the director who I didn't know that it was not just me, but I really did think for a long time it was just me. <laughs> it's a, it's, it was a, a director in Los Angeles in some play that I did, and he fell asleep. I would act. And, and a psychiatrist like this. <laughs> I went one to a psychiatrist, and, and then I looked, and, and he fell asleep. So I was quiet for 45 minutes. Wow. So you had the same experience with an actor. Who paid who? I paid $250. CP, your experience was uh, maybe worse, but mine was certainly not encouraging. It was funny. <laughs> Very bad. It was so bad. And then they said, no, he has a, he has a, there's a disease, you know, when people fall asleep. I can't remember the name of it. And I was like, yeah, 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 fine. Whatever. I still took it personally. Listen, if I move just for a second uh, from your acting world, I, I, I know that you, are, you gave a, a lectures, I, I don't know how it's called, the Zionism 03 or something? No, 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 I did, I did it there, but it's called How to Speak Israeli in Five Words. And it has a parallel lecture that I prepared that's called How to Speak American in Five Words. So it's basically five, just like we talked about language, that, that words carry more than just the letters. So I, I chose five words in Hebrew that I think sum up the whole culture. You brought all these 10 words, the five and the five to your play, the play that you wrote. So I, tell it, us a little came, bit about it because this was really the, the, the basic thing, the core of the play of that the you play. were trying yes. to move one culture to the other one and you did it through romance, uh, through dating. So right. just tell us a little bit about it. How did you push both sides into the whole game? Right, so next stop uh, is what I call a comedy of misconnections, which means that in, in, as we pursue our dreams and, and love and, and everything else, our intentions, like you said, it's all about the subtext because our intentions can be uh, there, but uh, if, our, if, if we're from a different culture, the subtext is going to take uh, the front seat. So if you say, uh, come sit down, you know, it's one thing, but if you, if you think come sit down, but make, you know, but you know, I don't want to make an effort for you. And you say, sit. It, it, for Israelis, it's not a problem, right? It's not a problem if someone just says sit in, in fact, you feel closer to them. You think, oh, this is so great. No manners. We can hug. We can just be ourselves. And for Americans, it's humiliating. Mm -hmm. So 
that area in between is what the play is, uh, I was uh, really trying to write about. And uh, I did it with Noga Milstein and Ben Perry. And what, what was really fun about it is that we got to explore American characters and, and, and Israeli characters, because within American characters there's so many stereotypes as well. Um, so, and, and the misconnection that we feel, that's back to that feeling of feeling like an alien. It's like this misconnection. You, you think you're there, you think you're saying the right thing. And um, when I was 20, I don't know, maybe like 22, 23, I had an experience that sort of made me feel that, that okay, this will be probably this weird area I'm gonna live in for, for a long time, which was, um, I had a manager and I just finished, finished my first movie, Stargate, and my manager uh, was setting up meetings with all kinds of people, just so, you know, you go in, you say hello. So a lot of them were New York producers, Broadway producers, because I was really wanted to do theater. And so I went and met a Broadway producer, maybe this guy called Greenberg or something, I can't remember. He was like 100 years old, very old, very nice. And I came in and he said, oh, you're from Israel, coming in, coming in, please sit down. And he made me feel very comfortable. And then he said, why don't you come for Shabbat dinner at my house uh, this Friday where you meet my family, my kids. And I thought, oh my goodness, this is the sweetest thing ever. I went to his family, it was his, some beautiful apartment on Park Avenue. And I was really moved that he was sort of the first person that like made me feel so, you know, at home. And so, that that was Friday night on on a Monday morning. I decided I have to somehow show him my gratitude. So I went to a flower shop across the street from my apartment, and I chose flowers. And then I looked for cards to go on the flowers. So I thought, you know, Mazal Tov, no, you know, not Mazal Tov, congratulations, no. And I kept looking for the right card, and one of them said, "With sympathy." I thought sympathy, oh like simpatico. Yeah, that is sympathy. He's a friend. He's like, yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> I'm not gonna say with love, but I'm gonna say with sympathy. So I wrote to the to the Greenberg family with sympathy. Wow. Really. And wow. I sent it to him. And he called me the name, you know, as soon as he got it, he called me and he said, Hi, I just called to tell you I'm not dead. So it was but that that, yeah, I have the same experience because when I went to school and I we went, uh, we were, I was studying television and films and we were on a set. So I got to the camera and I couldn't screw the screw. The screw. Now in Hebrew, it's screw the screw. So yeah. I told to my professor, he was really a wasp, and I said, can you teach me how to screw in, in front of everybody? And you know that teach me how to screw if you don't know what it is google it is can you make love to me but then i even went further because you know when you end the show you say wrap it up i couldn't say it i say rape rape oh my God. so that was my beginning in, in america that was the first month or so and they never closed the door when i came for a meeting with my professor they thought that i am you know but about, listen, to, about to wrap him Yes, yes. But listen, Millie, you have another side of you. I don't know if we have time for that, Silly, but you'll judge. I notice that you are very open also with, it's almost like an activist. Hmm. You are in a way... Activist, not... You are an activist. Almost, yeah. I don't know, all right. areas, but for example, you were talking about 
uh, you know, uh, uh, you were lectured about uh, getting pregnant, you know, difficulties in getting. I think you were also talked about sexual harassment, mm -hmm. right? And like I think that. there are other areas. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know if you are still out there. I am. I'm actually still um, very involved um, with the uh, Rape Crisis Center in Israel. Oh. Um, I'm very involved in, in, in uh, at this stage, it's really trying to uh, create a financial uh, secure foundation for them. But I'm, I'm involved. I really try to keep up with the daily, like what is it that they're doing? It's very important to me. And, uh, you know, it seems it seems almost inevitable like how could you not it's one of those things that you don't say i really want to do it no i don't want to do it but how could i not how could i not want to give all my time to what they're doing how could i not try to help and in terms of the fertility treatments i have to tell you that your friend there Celie, <laughs> said to me when i came to her and i said that i have fertility issues she said ah oh, just tell me about it i'll tell you everything you want to know and not only she helped me but she told me what uh another friend of ours told her which was uh you have nothing to be ashamed of you okay. did not kill you did not uh whatever steal you have nothing to be ashamed of and take this and pass this on take this sort of uh, absolutely and that's how i pass it on i have nothing we're to be in a process of getting uh, pregnant for a long time together and mm -hmm. i remember that millie was so busy with her career and i told her if you really have a problem and you want to get pregnant stay put and exactly. We had meetings every week. Every week we were talking about it. I already had the boys after my oh, my dear. journey, and then and then Benjamin came. But you know the the thing that you gave me confidence with what was really hard to hear is that I have to stay put because I'm in a, in a profession mm -hmm. where I have to travel right. and tough. I have to. Yep. And, and in order to do fertility treatments, I had to go every morning at 7 a.m. to do my blood test. Mm -hmm. So I gave up and I decided it was very, very encouraging to know that there's another woman behind me who's saying that's the right thing to do because we all hear, mm -hmm. you know, your career, woman should have your, especially my very feminist mom, you know, who's shocked that I stopped. But I said, no, I want to have a family. Some people, you know, it happens to them easily. For me, career happened very easily. But this is something I am. I would like to build and to 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 give ourselves this sort of um, you know patience, uh, patience and acceptance yeah. uh, was it's very very important. Character. The main thing I think is, and it's about everything. It's not about what you give up. It's about what you gain. Mm -hmm. And if you see what you gain and you look at the road ahead of you and said, "I'm I want to get there and I want to gain it." So some things you need to give up, but it's not necessarily negative. You just need to make room yeah. and focus and give the priority. And but you do give up. Absolutely. But I think we all do give up as women. We give up. I mean, I feel, you know. It's okay. It's yeah. not all bad. It's okay, exactly. Yeah. By the way, we have to finish soon, I think. But we almost started in the beginning that you were talking about words matter. Hmm? Remember? Yeah. Uh, and it's very relevant today. Yeah, in our political life of Always. what happened in the capital Always. and what the people hear, how they interpret it, how you reach people and push their mind to do sometimes horrible things. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's everywhere, also in our country, when we were told the Arabs are running to the, to the vote, go and 
chase and go first and and then well, what you're happened? Talking I don't the, you're talking about Netanyahu yes, now in Israel. Yes, you know, and, and then today what happened in America with uh, Trump, uh, you know, we don't have to go into it, but you know, but you know, words matter and we tend to forget very. it in real life. How do we talk to our children? How we talk to our fellow people? And the media, how the, the media, media is using and words. If the media will not change, mm. they will not um, go back, I guess, they to just be news, tell the news. Um, we are kind of lost. Yeah. Kind You're of. absolutely right. And words, just like we thought at first, like, oh, it's not about words. It's all it's about, about words. words. And words are what we carry in our heart. This is what I hear is what my parents told me, you know, this yeah. is, and like he was saying, I, I have the confidence to do what I do because I hear the words my parents told me, you can do it. The, the you know, sky's the limit, keep going. This is what I hear. So I have to tell you that in our home, which we're a lot about words because we both like to read and my, my kids and um, the, we all love words. And um, my daughter gave me a contract yesterday. She wrote down a contract and she said, you and daddy use a lot of bad words. And I said, so we always tell her there are no bad words. They're just bad choices. You know, a word, you That's know, right. they, uh, the F word, say the F word, this is just a word, but make a choice. If you're an intelligent person, you don't want to use it, you know, uh, uh, you don't want to use I'm it, maybe. Fine, fine. So what so, do you tell your husband when you want him to do the laundry? American, <laughs> American husband. <laughs> oh, he's really even worse. Words matter. Words, words matter. It, for us, it wasn't the laundry. It was one, the, one of the first things I, I when I realized, oh, I'm really not realizing how, uh, our cultural difference is so extreme is when he wore a shirt when we were just dating he wore a shirt and I said change it like that change it my face was like it's ugly my hand was like do it like <laughs> change it like this and he literally didn't talk to me for a week he thought it was so rude he said what how first you're telling me you know you're telling me what to do in such a like you know like i'm, I'm beneath you you're rude so then now i don't say that i said you know the other shirt you bought the other day just looks great on you very nice <laughs> oh Stop you it. consider when you consider to say okay that's right so anyway i have to give now in the contract i have with my daughter i have to give five dollars to her if i use the word the D word, damn. I have to use, you know, ten dollars for S word, twenty dollars for F words. So no matter what, you're down to money. That's it. So that's that's waste well, over words. Yeah, it's good pocket money. Yeah. And ah, that was a, I really liked the conversation with Mili. Right. Milinka, thank Great. you. We'll see you thank soon. You, Bye, Bubi. It was really nice. Thanks. And thank everybody who came to our Susanne. Right. Bye-bye. See you next week, see you next everybody. Week. Bye. Bye.